This podcast contains graphic and explicit content, as well as all of the spoilers a movie has to offer. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to So Here's the Problem with That, where we watch every sci-fi movie ever made and tell you what's wrong with their sci and their fi. My name is Emily, and I'm a movie fan. And my name is Neil, and I'm a PhD candidate in High Energy Experiment. When we left off our review of 2022's Moonfall, we uh, the moon's orbit had shifted, and it is on a collision course with the Earth. Former astronaut Brian Harper and conspiracy theorist Casey Houseman are trapped in an L.A. hotel after the moon's gravitational pull brought the ocean to their doorstep. And assistant NASA director Joe Fowler is trying to find a solution to a rampant, human-hating AI which has invaded the moon. She's beginning with a meeting with the heads of the Department of Defense. Can they save both the Earth and the moon? Or are we all going to drown in mediocre CGI? Let's find out. Anyway, so the military uh-huh. has decided that it's going to take over this whole mission. Um, Joe is on a Zoom call with all of the generals in the Department of Defense, including her ex-husband. So they've got like a a kind of short talk afterwards. Um, I will call out real quick because it made me laugh out loud. Her face when the military says we are taking control of this operation is the dumbest face I have ever seen her make. It was like, you can't see us right now, folks, but we're making faces at each other <laughs> of just how dumb it was. And it's breathtaking. So her ex-husband... <laughs> Sorry. Neil's making How faces. could you? What? You can't take over my mission. Um, but uh, her ex-husband stays after, and they have, like, a private conversation. A quick note. Yes. Her ex-husband is a, what appears to be four-star general in the military. Roughly 40 years old, tops? Uh, I would actually put him a little young. older. I would oh, say actually 45 to 50, yeah. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, like, maybe. I would I would say, like, mid-40s, though. I think in if it was real, he would be 50 years old. But he looks like he is th- maybe 35. He looks so young, which, yeah. like, makes sense because she looks so young because she's fucking Halle Berry. He looks yeah. so young. I was like, he has too many buttons on his jacket to be the age that he, I think he is. But, and he has a 10-year-old son, so he's probably older, but he looks like a baby. Sure. Beautiful, beautiful man baby. Sure. He is so attractive. He is quite attractive, yes. Just, it's like glows. His skin just (laughs) glows. Anyway, so they have a, like, kind of a private, tense conversation, and she's on a Zoom call on a flat screen TV with the speakers in the room just this is not private no this it's not this is not the time or the place call each other on your cell phone and yeah. get NSA to listen in like the rest of us <laughs> but he tells her that the military had a, a program several years ago working on a new EMP 
I don't know. I don't think it was specifically for the moon. It's just an EMP that they were working on, right? Yeah, it's definitely not for the moon. Cool. Um, so this prototype, which got shelved due to budget cuts, which is a great fucking throwaway. Yep. Um, so now, now this is, you know, the, the gun in act one that's going to be used in act three. Um, she, Joe, tells him, I don't know, does he have a name? Ex-husband. Um, I truly have no idea what his name is. I also don't remember what his name is. Yeah. But she tells him, don't you let your military buddies launch nukes at the moon. We already discussed how much energy the moon has. Yeah. Would nuclear weapons, and this is just a yes or no, would nuclear weapons launching everything we have stop the moon from crashing to Earth? No. Excellent. So, moving on. <laughs> is Honestly, there anything you want to add to that or no? No, it's just a terrible idea. They shouldn't do it. Good. They should listen to us. Sure. These military people from uh -huh. this movie from February. So, um, okay, so NASA now... EMP. Oh. Hey, Neil, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. You can put this in wherever it makes sense. Sure. Um, what? I've said the word, the letters... EMP a few times now, and I yep. don't actually know what that means. Okay. Uh, EMP stands for electromagnetic pulse. And it is a, it is a way to kind of destroy or short circuit um, anything that runs on electricity. They did have an EMP in the Matrix. They did have an EMP in the Matrix. That's right. Yeah. Forgot about that. Um, so... The way this typically works is that you create some sort like you create some sort of very big, very fast magnetic field. So in a very short amount of time, you want to create the biggest magnetic field you can. And the reason you do this is because changing magnetic fields uh, as they interact with currents in circuits will cause more current in the circuit. So their thought with this would be then that it could short circuit. Is that yep. the word I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah, that's short definitely the word. The smoke monster. Yeah. So like anything in the smoke monster that ran on electricity or dealt with any sort of like transmission of current would effectively either um, melt because it is carrying too much current. So uh, any any wire is not a, a perfect uh, transmitter of electricity. Um, there is some inherent resistance to all wires, uh, as long as they're not superconducting. Um, and if you pump enough current through them, they'll heat up uh, to the point where sometimes they will just straight up melt. Sometimes this is what happens in like, um, in like circuit breakers. Old circuit breakers were designed to do this, where if they had too much current passed through them, they would like a, a fuse would physically melt and you would blow a fuse. Um, we literally just switched out our fuse box with a extra bag of fuses in nice. my house. Well, so I am well acquainted with how inefficient yeah. <laughs> that process is. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just, that's just how, how the concept works is that you create a big magnetic field, which induces extra, extra current in your, uh, you know, nearby electronic devices, uh, short circuiting them. Okay. 
And I just had a question come to mind that I don't think we have touched on yet. Mm -hmm. Since establishing that the smoke monster is nanotechnology. Yes. How is it flying? Is it electronically levitating? I don't know. Oh, maybe it's just magic? Probably just movie magic. Okay. Yeah, I just thought of that because, like, it is, if it is a machine yep. running on electricity, uh -huh. then... It needed to get that electricity from somewhere. From somewhere, right? I don't know. That's an interesting thought. But that's one that we don't have an answer to, and I don't care enough to look it up. So we're going to go back to the hotel. Brian and Casey are at the hotel, and all of a sudden, fucking commandos come in. Turns out they're NASA commandos. Didn't know that was an option. I would love to be a NASA commando. I imagine it'd be easier than, you know going into the real military i don't think nasa has commandos Aww. i know that the post office does i'm so sorry please tell me everything about the post office commando yeah the post office has its own police force and a special like a special police force unit that is like commandos why uh because they're uh they're a federal body so they need to have commandos because the rest of them I, do? I don't know why they need them, but they are they are responsible for, like, a lot of the, like, scary shit that happens with mail. Like, it is, like, anthrax and stuff like that. Oh, sure, Like, sure, it sure. is, it is, uh, like, the FBI does a lot of investigation, but oftentimes if, if someone is, like, committing a felony by mail... There is a special police force that is associated with the Postal Service, the U.S. Postal Service, that will, like, be tasked with tackling that. That is so interesting. I had no idea. You have rocked my world. Yeah. You've rocked my moon. I just can't. Oh, um, really? <laughs> I'm not taking it back. That All was right. fucking hilarious. All right. Okay, so, like we said, the not post office commandos come and pick up Brian and KC at the hotel. Joe shows them camera footage of the smoke monster killing the astronauts that were sent up to investigate the hole in the crater. And it was, they were shook, yep. I think is a fairly straightforward way of putting it. Um, she asks for Brian's help because Brian is the only pilot who has ever landed one of the shuttles without power. And the reason I have no power, as we remember, um, when they were up in space and they had the attack from the smoke monster, all of their electronics went haywire and then shut off. So he had to come back in in through the atmosphere uh, with a shuttle with no power and he landed and everyone, by everyone, I mean those two survived. And the shuttle, I think, is probably fine. They don't mention it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so she wants him to uh, help them because they need to get up to the moon to try and destroy the smoke monster with using no electricity. Because otherwise it would be able to detect them. Because I think they say that um, you need... I think that they're assuming that it is attracted to electricity. And that's why it's attacking whatever's up there. It's specifically electronics and organic matter. But we don't know that until we are up in space. Oh, you're right. So, you're right. Um, I like where your head's at, though. So, duh, 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 duh. so she offers him his job back. And I have a note here because the dialogue in this scene is especially bad. Like, none of the dialogue in this movie is good. No. Literally none. The dialogue in this scene 
is so bad that I couldn't even write down a funny quote about it. It's just so pl uh, uh, plotting, P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G, and so ham-fisted, and it's, oh man, that was, that was rough. That's like, really bad. Um, but Walk loudly and carry a poorly written stick. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we are, here's a question that I should have asked before. Uh-huh. Are we in Florida or are we in California? Because I assumed we were in L.A., but are we actually in Florida? Is that where Houston is? No, Houston is in Houston. Really? Why did I assume it? Wait, Cape Canaveral is in Florida, but Houston is in Houston. Yeah, the like NASA Command Center is in Houston, Texas. Okay. So That's none why of, they say Houston. None of, I assume there was Houston, Florida. I don't know. There's a Minneapolis, Tennessee. Like. Yeah, there's a Duluth, Georgia, I guess. Yeah, no, apparently they say it's a big city too. I'll believe that when I see it. All right. Might be, it's probably just by sheer population size larger than our Duluth, but probably it's not, not as cool. Our Duluth is pretty big, isn't it? Hey, Georgia is also very populated. people. Neither anyway. here nor there. Um, Houston's in Houston. Yeah, Houston is in Houston. But Cape Canaveral, where the shuttles are, is in Florida. Yeah, the Kennedy Space Center is in Florida. So I'm going to assume we are now in Houston. And not in Florida, right? That's one of the downside. One of the several, many downsides of this movie they is I have no idea where anyone is. They don't spend any time explaining where anybody is. No. So the hotel we do know is in L.A. We do know Brian the hotel is in L.A. The Griffith Observatory. Yes, and they all get in the they all get in the chopper that comes to pick them up, and then they go somewhere else immediately. And it is, I think, implied. That they are going to NASA headquarters. In Houston. Maybe? Wherever NASA headquarters is, they they don't even give us the thing on the screen where they, where it's like, you know, uh, a city name or whatever. Yeah. At least I don't remember seeing it. I don't think Maybe so. Maybe I blocked it? I'm questioning so much about this movie. Um, but wherever they are... <laughs> There's utter devastation. Again, fires are raging. The water is going crazy. There is there is so much happening. And they... Do they... Does it happen now? Okay, it doesn't happen yet. Oh, but they do say that the moon could potentially cause tectonic activity. Which, as I recall, Neil, is one of the things you said explicitly was not going to happen. Now, the earthquake has not happened yet. I just want to make sure I am understanding correctly that they are lying to us in this line. They are indeed lying. The moon should not cause additional tectonic activity pr pretty much no matter how close it gets. Because at some point it's going to break up. And, and I think it would. Too small. I think it would need to get quite a bit closer before it caused tectonic activity on earth mm -hmm. and it, it shouldn't be able to get that close because if it got too close it would pass that threshold it would break up and those tiny tiny those smaller pieces would not be enough to cause tectonic activity no definitely not great so they are lying to us how fucking dare they they also mention um or not they kc mentions that the moon being a megastructure could travel through space without an engine You've already mentioned your thoughts on megastructure writ large. Yep. 
What are your thoughts on something, especially the size of the moon, moving through space with or without an engine? Preferably without, because like, that doesn't seem to be an option, right? With an engine, space travel would be slow, but doable. Like, especially any forward momentum. Yeah, because because there is forward momentum. You just need to have like a way to slow down and a way to speed up. Yeah. But without an engine, without an engine, there is no way to speed up. Right. There is no space travel. I don't understand what he was trying to say. I also don't understand what he was trying. Like, did he mean that they didn't need like a power source because they have their own internal power. So like, I don't understand what he was trying to get at here. No, it was very confusing and I didn't like it. So the military, um, gives them, they call it a bomb. Is it the EMP? Yeah. Okay. So why in the fuck do they call it a bomb? It's um, not a bomb, right? Is an EMP a bomb? It's a pulse. Yes, it is both a pulse and a bomb. Okay. Usually the way that you m- get the pulse to happen is to to make a bomb cuz you need to you need to get a really big magnetic field as fast as you can. You want to you want your magnetic flux to change as fast as possible. And oftentimes the way that this is done is by associating your magnetic flux with an explosion okay okay because explosions happen really quickly this is true okay i accept that does make sense i retract my statement okay but they're going to launch this shuttle they're going to go to space we already established that they the they have retired all of the shuttles is that still the case have they actually, in today's world, retired all the shuttles? Because they say several times, all the shuttles are gone. They're all in museums. So they go to a museum in, I can't, are they in LA? They go to a museum somewhere near wherever the fuck they are. And they take a shuttle out of the museum. They're like, this is the one that is going to space. I, yeah, so I think that, I don't think NASA has any more, they might keep one in reserve as like a just in case kind of thing. But like all space travel now has been externally contracted. Oh. Like it's all done through like, um, it's all done through SpaceX now. Cause, cause, uh, NASA just had a, a, a return of astronauts on a SpaceX, on a SpaceX vehicle. Hmm. Hmm. And we will come back. To SpaceX just briefly oh, at the very end because they fucking call out in a positive way Elon and SpaceX and I have thoughts we'll get to it so so they have taken the shuttle out of the museum they are um going to uh they're trying to like get everything ready so they can launch this into space they have a team that is not our main people they've got a ground crew and then neil can you guess what happens no the moon causes an earthquake neil the moon causes a massive earthquake no i would not have guessed that because Because it's not possible we very explicitly covered that this was not a thing that would happen right 
Yeah. Um, but it, it here it does. We're in the magic of the movies. An earthquake comes and destroys one of the engines of the shuttle. And um, it, it causes havoc. And there's flooding. And there's all sorts of stuff. Also, again, the dialogue specifically in this and, and slightly previous scenes is so bad. It is just... It's so, I can't even put my finger on what's so bad about it, but it is like offensively bad dialogue just in its execution. It, it really just doesn't feel natural. It does not. It absolutely does not like, feel natural. Like the words that, and the, like the sentences they are saying don't sound like things people would say. There's not much like contraction. There isn't a lot of like colloquial language. Mm -mm. It feels very like, formal and very like i read this from a script yes absolutely and it's very clear like the cg is just bad in this scene it's clear that they are on a set like we mentioned before they couldn't do any location shooting so everything in this movie is a set and this looks like a set and and these are not bad actors again halle berry has an oscar they are just really bad in this movie <laughs> yeah it's bad yeah like yeah. the acting is bad, the CG is bad, the some of the science is just fucking atrocious. Yeah, which we'll get to. Other than the tectonic shift, so here's the thing about that though: is they try to science it away why the tectonic plates are shifting, and they say because the moon's mass is greater than it was before. Yeah, they say the moon is gaining mass somehow. That's not how science works. Uh, no, it's not. Because at this point, we're starting to see like bits of the bits of like the moon like that have fallen off enter Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. Like the moon is quite visibly losing mass. It cannot be gaining mass and losing bits of itself at the same time. Not in this scenario. Is that a real thing? Is that a scenario that could happen? Uh, Sure. Go on. Uh, so let's say let's say that you are um, you are a a superstructure black like a, a like a supermassive black hole. All right, you have an accretion disk, so you just have like this plane of gas and dust and rock and whatever that you are slowly pulling into yourself. Mm -hmm. We've noticed that on either end of the of the supermassive black hole, there is almost always some sort of like X-ray jet that is going out of the out of the plane, much like if you if you took like a, a bicycle wheel and had like pegs on either side and then rotated the bicycle wheel so the pegs were up and down. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of what it looks like. But these huh. these these pegs are like X-ray jets and they're carrying away like energy and mass from the black hole. That is some of it is partially generated from um, some of that X-ray is, is partially generated from the fact that you have these like immense magnetic fields that snap in the same way that solar flares like our magnetic fields that snap and then emit a bunch of stuff into space. And some of it is actually from the, the uh, you know, supposedly from the black hole um, emitting radiation. Um, but also, uh, black holes might undergo a process called Hawking radiation, by which they actually slowly evaporate. And 
Um, so this this would supposedly constantly be happening. Um, and as they Where you're sucking in and spitting out. Uh, yeah. So so the the X-rays are like probably not actually a, a super great example of this, because I think those are mostly caused by the fact that you have these like really intense magnetic fields that get kind of uh, when they break, they emit a bunch of um, X-rays and a lot of those X-rays just go out the top and the bottom. So that actually doesn't have a ton to do with the actual like absorbing. But black holes might undergo this process called Hawking radiation, where like if you look at a black hole from a long ways away, it should look like that black hole is slowly releasing energy. Like it's slowly radiating photons. And then when you get close to the black hole, it's just absorbing a bunch of stuff, but it is also like emitting some things. Like it's, it's, it's really possible that you could, you could be gaining mass while you are slowly losing little bits bits here and there. But the, the process for that, like usually it's something special happening. Like it's something unusual that is, that is going on. Right. Well, and Um, a black hole is not a, again, correct me if I'm wrong. You know more about black holes than I do. Is it like, it's not like a tangible object. Like the moon is something I could touch. The black hole is... A vacuum. It's an emptiness, right? No, it's a physical object. You could touch a black hole? No. Okay. You you would be ripped to shreds before you got there. Spaghettification. Yeah. yeah. I retain. Uh-huh. Um, but they are they they're not like they they are physical objects. Like you can't you can't think of them as like not physical objects. Mm-hmm. They're just not well described by the math that we currently use to describe them. Okay. So they kind of are this weird edge case. So they're not like the same kind of like physical matter. Like, you know, let's say somehow you are the strongest, you know, collection of cells in the universe, right? You go up and you try and like put your hand up to the, up to the event horizon. No, Mm -hmm. like you can't physically touch the event horizon. The event horizon is just, the point at which there is no coming out of. So you mm-hmm. try and put your hand into the event horizon and it's gone. Yeah. Right. Uh, that said, there should be something inside the black hole. Usually it is thought of as, you know, a, a singularity. What is a singularity? Supposedly something that's infinitely dense. Does it really make sense? Not, not, no. Okay. Like, it's, it's a breakdown of the math that we use to describe this. So if it is actually a collapse of like matter down to a single point, uh, that would be probably pretty distressing. It's really just the point at which you have enough matter densely packed together enough that light can no longer escape from it, which is a wild concept in and of itself. Right. So. The, 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 the way that we describe them is just currently incomplete. That's just kind of the way that I'll put it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I accept. So, to round this up, Mm -hmm. it is theoretically, technically possible for an object to gain mass while also losing little bits of itself. Yes. That being said, the moon would likely not have that happen. Let me be perfectly clear. It would be painfully apparent if the moon were gaining mass while bits of itself were being shredded off, you would clearly see the moon uh, like collecting more matter from somewhere. 
Right. Like you can't. It gain, doesn't just create. No, you you can't just like gain more mass from inside. Like that's not how that works. No. Even though sometimes after Italian food, that's sure what it feels like. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, so the moon's mass is greater in this film. It's wrong, but that's the way it is. Yep. Um, then, and, and the reason that this is important, other than obviously the earthquakes, which is, again, not possible, um, KC and his two little nerd friends are very excited about this idea because it means that the trajectory that the shuttle was going to take to reach orbit is wrong. And, and they're like, we have to move up our launch right now. And Joe's like, um, everyone, I just, I just sent everyone home. No one's here. We can't launch. We only have two engines and we need three to get into orbit in the first place. And they're like, what about this? We'll wait for the moon to be directly overhead. We will launch our shuttle and the boosters or whatever they're called. And we'll use the gravitational pull by this apparently now super dense moon to help get us into space with only two engines. I see no problem with this science. Everything seems to check out. <sighs> yep. <laughs> uh -huh. Everything's totally fine. Yeah. Yep. This is fine. <laughs> we have no more thoughts about, I don't know, using the moon's extra gravitational pull to get into orbit. Uh, look, the amount of it would be tough. Let me put it that way. The moon travels at um, a thousand like a little over a thousand meters per second. All right. A thousand uh, meters per second is 2,236 miles per hour. Jesus. How many the, G's is that? Does it tell you? How many? Uh, it's not accelerating. Oh, never mind. A G force can only be in an acceleration scenario. Makes sense. Um, so it's a, it's a, constant velocity uh 2234 miles per hour is like roughly a time zone every hour i think i would probably throw up yeah so like imagine going from like idaho to the middle of south dakota in an hour that would be very fast it'd be real quick yeah yeah Uncomfortably so, fast, I would say. Yeah, uncomfortably fast, right? So, if they're going to try and use the moon to lift them or, like, provide enough, like, local upward force to reduce the local effects of gravity so that they could, like, continue to fly up into space on two thrusters instead of three, like... The moon is going to be overhead for. Depending on how close it is. A couple of seconds tops. Is it really that fast? It de depending on how close it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Right. Like, like, okay. You can see. In either direction, right. On a perfectly clear day, about 25 miles. Okay. If you, if it's like flat plane before the like curve of the earth starts to take over, you can see about 20 miles. So we have a 50 mile stretch here. Okay. You get 50 miles. The, the moon is cruising past yeah. at 
2,000 miles an hour. That's fair. That would right? be so very fast. What's 22? What's 2,200 divided by 50? Uh, 44. So the moon is going to be like in sight for maybe 40 minutes if it's at the actual altitude that it is now. And we believe that the moon is closer than it was than it, in the film. Yeah. The moon has been coming closer. Yeah. It is unclear. They've not told us how close it is, but it's closer. It is significantly closer at this point in the film because we're about to see a very large wave. We are. Can we talk about this? We could talk about it in a second, okay. but the moon's going to be overhead for a couple of minutes tops. Tops. Because it is so close at this point. Which I think they kind of mentioned that, like, we, if we're going to do this, we have to do this right now. Like, we do yeah, not yeah, have yeah. a large window. Yeah. Um, and they ask KC to go with them. So they're going to have Brian fly, Joe will navigate, and KC will come in and be a numbers person. Unclear. But it was a very sweet scene. Um, and he's like, I can't do it. I have IBS. I have anxiety. Here's everything that's <laughs> wrong with me. And it was pretty cute. And they're like, well, too bad. Also, this is, you don't have to answer this, but I thought that, sci not scientists, I thought that astronauts had to go through months of training to acclimate their body to the sheer stress of being in space. Oh, yeah. And they're like, do you want to just come along? I think it'd be fun. And he's like, yes. Also, they they go through a lot of uh, a lot of training to withstand the, the G-forces of, of takeoff, and they go through a lot of training to withstand the like physical requirements you need to move around in a spacesuit. Right. And they go through sometimes years of training to like n like become immune to motion sickness where they like put them in these like 3D spinning chairs that you are you're like supposed to be able to sit there and like sit through that so that you can like not get dizzy effectively. I get ill on a roller coaster. Oh, I these things are a nightmare for be a most good people. Astronaut. Yeah, this would be this would be really tough. Yeah. Um, I I don't understand how people do it, but I think it's more of like a a customization thing. Like they just want you to get used to that sensation, so that if you ever experience that for real, like you don't like immediately Lose panic and puke everywhere. Right. That yeah. would not be great. No. That would not be an ideal scenario. It would be scenario. really bad, actually. Yeah. So I think that Casey coming along is a bad idea. Yeah, me too. Controversial statement. Uh, but he's coming, and that's fine. So um, they have different suits now. They've got different... Um, um, I keep wanting to say smoke suits. It's not a smoke suit. It's a space suit. They have different space suits that are not the traditional... Um, I guess definitely spacewalk white suit. It's not that. Yep. It's not the orange suit that we kind of see in in space things now. It does not look safe. I'm going to put that out there. Like it's kind of it looks like it's fabric. Yeah. It looks like it's hanging off them. It does not look pressurized in any way. Uh, they say that yeah. it's early Apollo, so there's no electronics in it. Yep. And that makes me worried. Yeah. Also, I don't I don't know how accurate that is. I think most, I think most of the Apollo suits um, did have 
some kind of electronics in them. I would assume but, so. Um, I, I we did we did actually go look up a list of all of the spacesuits. Now, was this one of them? This was not in there. It did closely resemble the three series of Apollo suits that were listed there. Oh, so maybe they were trying to be. They were close? trying to be like, hey, like we kind of got it. But also not really. But also it's a movie. But also it's a movie. Yeah. With a finite budget. And getting a hold of an actual spacesuit is extremely expensive. Yes. Well, and so there's also different types of spacesuits. There's the suits that they wear to exit the atmosphere. Yep. There's the space walking suits. Yep. Those are the only two. I thought there were three. Okay. I don't think so. Never mind. I think there's just those ones. Okay. Because when you're on the space station, you, or, yeah, when you're, like, hanging out in space, usually you... You're just in a jumpsuit just, of some sort, right? Yeah, you, yeah, well, you're just wearing, like, clothes and a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, I just realized, though, that KC never um, goes out into space. They no, never have him in a space suit that's not the blue one. That's probably good. Yeah, probably for the best. Um, but before we get into my thoughts on that... Can you explain to me what a gravity wave is? Oh, man. All so, right. So, a little bit of context. Again, the there's an earthquake. Yep. Because of the moon. Yep. There is elevated sea levels because of the moon. Yep. And then they say, oh, my God, a gravity wave is coming. What yep. the fuck does that mean? Okay. So, we need to talk about two things. One is what they're talking about in the movie. Great. The second is... What the conventional, like, actual meaning of gravity wave is. Actual reality. Yeah, gra- yes. Hope actual... there goes gravity. <laughs> Hope there goes gravity Cho. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, in the movie, they are talking about the tidal wave that the moon is going to generate as it is coming overhead. So as the, as the moon is, like, swinging past, just behind it, there will be an enormous, like, tide. It looks like several hundred feet tall. At this point, yeah. I don't think this is, like, entirely accurate for where we are with how close the moon is. But we don't know how close the moon is. But we don't know how close the moon is. So what we're seeing is, like, a, a wave that is, like, you know, tens to hundreds of feet tall. Like, some of the, the water is, like spraying and evaporating like off the top like getting lifted into space that's probably not going to happen at this point right but but the but it's just this giant wave okay this would actually probably normally look like a just a really wild tide that got like dragged all the way like you know inland actual reality yeah yeah. In, in reality this would be like a very large tide it would not probably look like an enormous wave coming in. Okay. It would just slowly, the sea would rise, but maybe not even that slowly. It might be pretty quick and it, it might fuck up a lot of stuff. It might rise a lot. Right. But it wouldn't look like one giant wave fucking coming rolling over the land. All right. right. Okay. So we tackled that. Now, what is an actual gravitational wave? Yes. Or a gravity wave? Okay. There are, there are events that happen in cosmology where you have... I love cosmetology. No. But um, Sorry, continue. No. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I'm sorry, I definitely threw you off. Uh, Cosmology. It just, it just, it just reminds me of this scene of this guy on, I think, The Bachelor, who's like, "Oh yeah, I'm an astrophysicist," and the, the on woman, the Bachelor, yeah, and well, on The Bachelorette, I think. Okay. And and he's like, "Oh yeah, like I'm an astrophysicist," and she's like, "Oh, I'm an Aries." <laughs> He's like, nope, nope. Anyway. Did you watch his soul leave his yes, body? Yes, I did. Yeah. Quite, yes. Anyway, so a, a gravitational wave is what happens when you have two really massive objects in space that do something weird. Okay. So for example, a black hole merger. So let's say I have two kind of smaller black holes, but they're like... The, the kind of thing that are like hundreds of times the mass of the sun, maybe even thousands of times the mass of the sun. They're really big, right? right? And they start orbiting each other and then slowly they like come together, orbit faster and faster and faster and then they smash and become one big black hole. Is that a supermassive or is that something different? Uh, a supermassive black hole is just a, a, a mass threshold for when we start to use that term. Okay. It doesn't have to do with... Like it might be, it the might size. not be. It, okay. it depends on how big the two were when they collide. Some one of them might have already been a supermassive black hole. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this type of this type of event quite literally shakes the fabric of space time. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, and so space time will stretch and contract in like these compressed wave like features. Because it's 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 like a it's like water, right? You like snap underwater, and you can you can hear it far away because of the same principle of of you know you are you are causing some sort of pressure wave through the water, right? But in this case, you are causing some kind of of like really wild wave through the fabric of space time, and there is a big experiment called LIGO, which is the uh, laser interferometer. Uh, gravitational wave observatory. That's a great phrase. I think. Um, I I'm not positive I got the last two letters right, but I know the first two are right. You could make it up, and I wouldn't know. Sure. <laughs> and what it it what it is is this really precisely calibrated set of lasers that, as space contracts and and expands, uh, and the Earth like passes through these these uh, gravitational waves the lasers change like the distance between um, the beginning and the end of the laser changes ever so slightly because space is physically expanding and contracting and it's something we measure. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's wild. And so, so space like expands a little bit and then contracts a little bit. And the, the laser is calibrated so that it has a perfectly like a flat signal. And then if you ever see any like waves in the signal, it's either like, seismic activity because you know the lasers are physically shaking or it is these these gravitational waves that are physically changing the length of the area or the room that these lasers are in and these lasers are you know really long like Mm -hmm. three kilometers or something like that Mm -hmm. it's big right so so we see these effects uh we, we can just measure them and there's two there's two observatories for this one of them is in the united states and one of them's Somewhere else? Not in the United States? I, th- I don't think it's in the U.S., but it, it might be two different locations in the U.S. Interesting. I'd have to double check. Um, but yeah, we can we can physically measure gravitational waves, which are just a, a really wild concept. Um, this is completely different from the 
wild tidal wave thing caused by gravity. Caused by gravity. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you yep. think? Earnest question. Mm -hmm. Do you think they knew that there was already a thing called a gravity wave when they wrote the line? Um, I'm sure the astronaut in the room did. The one that they said, don't worry about it, it's a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we released our first discovery of gravitational waves in like 2017 or something like that. That's actually more recent than I would have thought. I oh, always think yeah. of science discoveries happening, you know, in the 60s or whatever. Oh, no. This is very recent. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's super neat. Yeah. Ah. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the gravity wave? No. Excellent. So the gravity wave in this movie, like we mentioned, is just a giant wave, potentially hundreds of feet high, and it is coming towards their shuttle. It is, um, it's, it's, it's going to get them. The helicopter the with the last members of the... The staff that's leaving absolutely just gets swallowed by this wave. And I was kind of sad because I really liked the uh, Casey's two little nerdy friends. They were like, I don't know, great secondary characters. Neither here nor there. But they are going to launch this shuttle and they're doing a countdown. And Brian's like, screw the countdown. We're igniting right now. Which I don't know if that's even something you're allowed to do. Also, again, there's no ground crew. It's literally just the three of them in this shuttle making this happen. I don't know much, but I don't think that's how that works. Uh, no. Nope. I don't think that's how that works at all, actually. Nope. So as the wave is coming at them, they're, they're igniting. And then, Neil, the wave, this water, potentially salty water, surrounds them. Mm-hmm. They're underwater! Yeah. And then the shuttle leaves the water and is heading towards space with yeah. no ill effects of just being underwater. Yeah. So this... This is wrong, <laughs> but probably not for the reason you think it is. No. Yeah. This fire would not have extinguished underwater. Yeah. Why? Because it's, it's like, quite literally rocket fuel. Fair play. All right. Uh, it is... Rocket fuel is wild in and of itself, um, but it, it probably would not have extinguished because the material around the, um, the, like cones at the bottom which are the they're they're technically stabilizers is um they're they're directing the propellant um are gonna be like thousands of degrees so what's gonna happen is this wave is gonna hit the shuttle and it's gonna carry the shuttle with it ah which it did not it did not so what you would expect to see is the shuttle probably like tilt from being in contact with the wave and you would probably actually see a whole bunch of steam suddenly shoot up around the rocket because all of the water that comes in contact with anything near the propellant is going to be like immediately vaporized mm -hmm. like like well like to the point where it might be like it might become a plasma Ooh. uh it, it, it gets so hot like it, it would it would immediately go from water to to immediately water vapor to the point where it might even go like to uh, like some sort of watered like plasma where all of the 
external ions are just like completely freed uh, because it is um, so hot. Right. Um, unclear. Would need to check at what temperature water becomes a plasma. That would be interesting. Um, but you would like it would still fuck up the rocket pretty like seriously. Yeah, but it, it, it wouldn't stop their. It wouldn't stop probably the the actual propellant. If the water carried the rocket away from its standing structure, could it potentially tilt on its side and shoot off across the land? Yes. That is wonderful. What would Okay, so what would probably happen is typically the there is like a very complicated um computer system which like slightly adjusts the direction of these cones on the bottom of the propellants to like slightly adjust the angle so that you are constantly going about as up as you possibly can. Um, and if you got too far off to the side, I'm not sure how the system would react. Uh, it might either turn off completely and kill the, uh, kill the propellant because it's expecting a crash and you don't want active, like you don't want active, like burning, uh, you know, rocket fuel when the thing crashes, that right. would be really dangerous. That would not be great. Uh, it, it might, it might do some other things. So I might reach out to a friend who works at NASA and ask, um, she might know, she might not. She might not, but if she does know, maybe you can talk about it on our next mini soap. Yeah. Lauren, if you hear this, uh, because I forgot to reach out to you, Call um, us. G- g- let me know, please. <laughs> um, okay. So the shuttle is not tipped on its side. It was not carried away. It was, and is, uh, in a very vertical, uh, way headed towards the moon. Uh-huh. And, um, Great. So the th- one of the thrusters goes out. Now they're starting to tilt. Maybe they're not going to make it to the moon. And they call, uh, they say, KC. I, I don't remember the exact words they use, but they say, KC, like, what are the odds? We're going to make it there. We're going like, to make it to orbit. Recalculate our escape trajectory. That's what it was. And this motherfucker grabs a fucking calculator it grabs not even a graphing calculator he just grabs a normal calculator with nine digits available to him and he's with his giant gloves he's gonna try and it was those calculators are a lot more common in science than you might expect really yeah graphing calculators are actually pretty useless well i mean that's they're useless anywhere you use them it doesn't shock me that they're also useless in nasa but i don't know it was just a really funny image where they're like fix this right now and he grabs a calculator but silly it's a silly thing so anyway they but they make it to orbit everything's fine um they are going to stop and refuel i think at a spacex station question mark or is this the ISS? They're refueling somewhere. Yeah, they refuel somewhere in space. Yeah, and they've got um, Joe and Brian are outside in spacesuits, and they are basically talking KC through docking this shuttle and basically quote unquote antique, but like an antique shuttle to whatever the fuck this is. Yep. And they're just talking through, and he doesn't need any training. He doesn't. 
break anything? Like, this shouldn't two people who have done this before, shouldn't one of them be inside? You'd think. Doing this? You'd think. But they don't have a spacesuit for him. Also, one more thing about spacesuits. I don't know why this is what I'm latching onto with this movie, but spacesuits are really my thing. I looked up spacesuits a little bit, and they are all individually customized to that astronaut's body. They are created just for that astronaut. Yep. These two haven't been astronauts in ten fucking years. Did they just keep them in storage? No. Ah! Yeah. <sighs> and that's an appropriate response. <laughs> uh, I should, I haven't mentioned this in a while, folks, but I did enjoy this movie. Like, I had a good time. <laughs> I, I doesn't look, sound look, like I did. Look, when you watch it, it's nice. Oh, for sure. But if you inspect it, yeah. it's bad. No, no, no. Stay service level as long as possible. So, anyway, they are now refueled. Um, they need to find a position in space. They're trying to find, like, where is it? Where the hole is? They're trying to, like, somehow calculate uh, their position to the moon other than just looking at it. Or no, where the moon's going to be. That's what it is. They need to calculate where the moon will be in 93 minutes or whatever. And Casey grabs what appears to be three rulers stacked on top of each other that move side to side. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Wait, let me back up. Is that real? Yes. Number two, if it is real, how does that work with what they're trying to do? I don't understand, because it looks like an abacus. He was flipping shit around like it was an abacus. Yeah, it's a, it's a slide rule, which is just a, a, a an older form of a calculus. It's like an analog calculus, or like an analog calculator. So oh, because like, they can't have electronics. Because they can't have electronics, right? So he like... And the way it works typically is that you have like a slider, you put the slider somewhere on the slide rule, and then you like, you know, slide one of the other pieces along until, you know, it, it lines up with whatever other value you want. And then there's like a third thing that tells you the result. Okay. So the calculator he pulled out earlier. Yeah. Shouldn't he get rid of that then? Or turn it off. Yeah. Or turn it off. So he's got the slide, and he, he is calculating trajectory or some something Supposedly, like that. Supposedly? Yeah. Not really the kind of thing that I would expect someone to do on the fly on a slide rule, but what do I know? Yeah. Do you have a joke that you would like to tell us? Mm. Did you hear about the constipated mathematician? I did not, Neil. He worked it out with a slide rule. <laughs> Worth it. Hashtag regret. <laughs> don't tell me a joke if you don't want me to ask you about it. Fine. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about nymphomaniac Jill who tried dynamite out for a thrill? Oh, we can't put this in the podcast. <laughs> Um, okay, so they are now in what appears to be like an asteroid field, but it is the moon's breakup bits. I don't know. What's a better way to describe what this is? Um, I think a better way to describe this is like they're in the like, it's, it's a, it's like a, like a asteroid belt. 
Yeah. I think that's a fine way to describe it because okay. like effectively we are at the point where the moon is like breaking apart mm-hmm. and starting to create like a ring like structure around earth. Right. Like kind of like Saturn or, or, you know, Jupiter. Um, and, um, you know, interesting fact, uh, sharks are older than the rings of Ju- uh, uh, of Saturn. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. They're older than trees too. That's not a thing. What? Yeah. What? So sharks. Sharks? Yep, sharks. Like, the genealogical structure of as sharks? A, or like sharks like as spe- we know no, it? No, species of shark. Like, the species shark. Huh. Yeah. I guess sort of the family, I guess, is Older the... Older than trees? Yeah, they're like... F- like several hundred million well and like we just have fossil evidence of like the the the, like the earliest fossil evidence of sharks is like 50 million years older than the first fossil evidence of like um trees and uh the rings of saturn is more of a prediction Mm -hmm. as, uh, as far as i can tell interesting yeah i did not know that yeah um, so we are going through the asteroid belt. Oh, sorry. I was going to mention, we have not touched on things that have gone on on Earth. There are side plots of both Brian and Joe's kids. We're not going to talk about it because it's not important. But do know that these pieces of moon have started raining down on the Earth. There is large-scale destruction, and maybe we'll talk about it at the end if we've got time, but... It's not as interesting or important. I only bring it up because we had mentioned earlier that the moon breaking up would cause superheating or potential superheating in the atmosphere with all the things coming down. Yes. So I haven't forgotten about that, but that plot line is not nearly as interesting as this one or scientifically heavy. Yeah. So we're still in the asteroid field and they knock one of the rudders off it's not a rudder they knock one of the dorsal fins off that's totally fine right uh what's the name for that thing i have no idea they knock the they knock the you know on like the on the tail of an airplane yeah there's like the two like tiny little wings that go off to the side and there's like the the like stabilizing like small wing that comes it sticks straight up on the tail yeah whatever they knock, that's called. whatever the thing that sticks straight up is they knock it clean off yeah it's i feel like that would be a detriment to their hopefully trying to get home yeah because that means that when they re-enter the atmosphere they're just gonna like swing side to side a lot yeah that would not be great. like like that thing back there is to help stabilize the the like rear end of the air uh, of the aircraft so that you don't like if you swing off to the side the like oncoming air pushes you back mm-hmm. to center right like right. that's it's a good thing two out of the three of them have gone through actual astronaut training and they can handle issues like that and one of them apparently landed a shuttle without electronics so allegedly allegedly so um They are now at the moon. They leave the bomb above the hole and they're going to try and lure the smoke monster out. And um, so they they activate the bomb and it comes right out. But instead of going for the bomb, it like, for lack of a better term, it turns its head and looks at them. And then it comes to them. And so Brian 
smashes the controller for the bomb. And he's like, it's not working. He's, it's still coming at us. And then they're like, oh, fucking KC has been taking pictures on his cell phone the entire time. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should turn off his phone. Instead of turning it off, though, he smashes it. Yeah, he's not thinking in the moment. He's like, I need to get this thing turned off quick. So he just smashes it. Also, uh, pro tip to the folks at home, uh, smashing your phone might not turn it off. No, it, it might, might make just it harder to turn off. It might just turn, it might just like cause the screen to break and the internal electronics and the battery still might be running. Yeah, so it's not the best way to handle it. No. Also, like I mentioned, he smashed the... Um, controller for the bomb, it still works later. So it's not like that even turned off. Yeah, somehow it comes it comes back online yeah. later. So, but this is where we learn that, or they are deducting, or deducing? Deducting. They're figuring out that um, the smoke monster is targeting electronics, which we already knew, and biological life forms. Yep. So it needs them together to be lured out. Um... But they still have lights going. They still have electronics going on in the shuttle. Like, what the fuck? God, it's so frustrating. But that's neither here nor there. We'll come back to it, and I will complain more about that later. So, Joan then, quote-unquote, drops the bomb on them that the military is going to nuke the moon in two hours. I have no idea how long it's been since the movie started. Like, in timeline in the movie. I have no idea how long it would take for something launched from Earth to reach the moon. I don't know what two hours means in this context. I don't know that it even matters. I don't think it does. Great. I'm not going to worry about it then. So now they decide that they're going to bring the bomb inside of the moon because it's it's not going to come. It's not going to get tricked again. So they're bringing it in. And they're going down, down, down the um, tunnel, I guess. It's, it's a tunnel. Yeah. It goes from rock to very shiny metal. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a hard transition line. Um, but again, their pod or whatever, they're... I don't even know what they're in. Are they in a rover? They're, no, they're in a no, no. Things. They, like... They had the rover attached to the back of the... Of the back of the, like pod okay i'm gonna just call it a pod i think it is so the pod and the rover are connected it was inside the shuttle the shuttle is destroyed so they're taking just the pod and the rover into the moon yep and they can theoretically not get home anymore because that shuttle is the only way they could have done it yep yeah so not great uh but now they're inside the moon again still surrounded by electronics lights are on sounds are happening but whatever, the smoke no bi- monster... No, no biological life forms inside the moon, though. They are biological life forms. They are humans. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. It's a, it's a terrible scene. It's a terrible scene. Also, there are biological life forms within the moon because they point out that there are fields. There are fields of agriculture uh... within the moon. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself because we enter a cavernous space within the moon. And there is uh, rings, let's call them. Uh-huh. There are there are several rings that are spinning. It, spinning, but they're not spinning too like a lot, but they do they kind of look like in Event Horizon, the portal that they had that also kind of had rings yeah, going. Yeah. 
kind of fun. Go back to episode one if you're curious about what we're talking about. But there is... I'm going to say a couple words to you, Neil, and okay. I'm going to need you to break them down for me because uh-huh. I don't know what's going on. Uh-huh. They say that the rings around this white dwarf star uh-huh. Uh-huh. cause gyroscopic stabilization. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then we see, oh, look, that bright ball of energy that's giving life to the moon. Uh-huh. That's a dwarf star. So. Uh-huh. White dwarf star, number uh-huh. one. Yep. Gyroscopic stabilization. Uh-huh. And actually, no, those are the only two. Those are the only... Okay, so first of all, this is mega wrong because uh, white dwarf stars mega are... Wrong. Mega Yeah, mega wrong. White dwarf stars are usually slightly larger than Earth. Oh, well, that is incorrect. Yeah. Uh, so this can't be a white dwarf. Uh, it is... Most likely a neutron star, which can be um, as small as like, you know, a a couple tens of kilometers across. Uh, But a neutron star has usually slightly more mass than the sun or about as much mass as the sun. So the gravitational pull would be comically large. Yeah, it would be like the moon would have about the same gravitational pull as the sun. That would not be great. No, it would be very bad, actually. The Earth would be torn apart. Yes. Um, So, can't be a white dwarf, so that's just big wrong. Uh, Gyroscopic stabilization. So... Uh, this is a concept that you kind of first learn about in kind of your introductory physics kinematics course, which we all take, uh, which some people have taken. Look, right out of high school. Well, look, (laughs) I'm not, look, physics is a hell of a thing. It's a hell of a thing. It's not for everybody. And that's totally fine. Um, but the, the general concept is, um, have you ever seen like a top? Yes. Right? You spin a top on a table. You ever tried to, like, push the top while it's spinning? It stays upright. It stays upright. Depending on how hard you push it. Yeah. So that concept is how gyroscopic stabilization works. Usually, you have some sort of spinning thing which has angular momentum. And angular momentum will resist a a torque or a change in its angular momentum pretty aggressively sometimes, especially depending on, on how fast it's moving. This is also kind of the concept behind like a flywheel. If you've ever like tried to start like a, a a motor, Mm -hmm. the pull cord is usually attached to a flywheel, um, which also uses a lot of angular momentum. Um, and so what they're getting at here is that, the moon stays in its orbit above this above earth because there are these spinning rings inside the moon which are stabilizing it in that orbit this is complete and utter horse shit this is not the dyson sphere no that we talked well, about well y- yes it is a dyson sphere like the the rings so the the, the actual like structure the outer structure is the Dyson sphere. The inner structure is just random bullshit that they put in here to look <laughs> science fiction. Okay. It's not, it has nothing to do with the Dyson sphere itself. Um, 
but apparently these are the these are the things that keep the moon in its orbit and fucking with them causes the moon to drop out of its orbit no because reasons Be- because reasons i know what this is this is so wrong like this is maybe the worst part of the movie in terms of like the actual science right some of it is like close to accurate this is just big wrong it's really cool looking though it is really cool the design in the moon is super cool they do some really good cgi and graphics in there Mm -hmm. so i will give them that yeah um aside from that uh really unbelievable yeah yeah in not a good way no in in a very bad way yeah good um while we're kind of on a science uh uh trek there is so uh, uh, Brian is suddenly unable to control the pot anymore. They are being navigated towards a bay door, and then all of a sudden, so the smoke monster's coming at them, and it's getting closer. And then a tractor beam locks onto them, and they are pulled into the bay door, and the doors close, and the smoke monster can't get them. Yep. Can you explain to us, like, just how a tractor beam works? Is it a real thing? <sighs> Kind of. I'll take that. Great. Not yeah. not really. Not on the scale that you think. Like, the way that you would need a tractor beam to work is that you either need to have something that is a, like, magnetically charged, so it's like a magnet, or you need to have something that has electrical charge, so you can apply a um, an electric field and apply a force to that object. So the way that this would work probably in like a, in like, you know, if I had to make one is let's say we're in space. If you're on Earth, it's d- damn near impossible. Matter of fact, almost all, like almost comically impossible to especially at any sort of large distance make this a reality so, so an let's, alien beaming up a cow yeah alien beaming up a cow no way cow's not magnetically charged cow's not and well okay technically you could apply a big enough magnetic field to a cow to make it magnetically charged would that kill the cow it would absolutely kill the cow great um matter of fact like even like relatively strong magnetic fields can give people hangovers oh yeah Interesting. Yeah, like, there are a lot of um, folks at home. I'm about to tell you something about MRIs. That is really cool, but also, please don't be scared by it. (laughs) Okay. They're, like, they're really powerful, really cool bits of medical technology that are well-tested and saved. Saving lives every day. Yeah, saving lives literally every day. However... A, it, it, it operates on a principle of of using the magnetic um, structure of water and it will it will cause the water to like align itself with the magnetic field and then they sp- they cause it to like spin and then as it relaxes the water in your body yeah wow yeah some of the like just the individual atoms it doesn't like it doesn't fuck up anything 
weird or anything like no, that. No, no. But like, it's just really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. But some like one of the one of the common side effects of being in an MRI machine that has a really strong magnet is that you kind of get a like you do have a bit of a hangover because your body is has experienced something that it's not used to experiencing. Right. And uh, oftentimes people uh, report like a sense of like dizziness or like you're on a roller coaster because it messes with the the like mnemonic fluid that's inside your ears that like governs your balance and because it fucks with that fluid like you feel like you're off balance can make people feel a little like a little nauseated like and and can give you like kind of mild hangover symptoms for you know about a day super interesting it's super cool like it it, it's not dangerous in any way it's just you know a little uncomfortable right um but that's how kind of like a tractor beam would work is that you would you would have to like have a charged object. So let's say you're using uh, electric charge, right? I have a charged object sitting out in space. I make an electric field somehow. There are lots of ways to do this. And then slowly that electric field interacts with that object and starts pulling it towards me or pushing it away if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But usually you would want to do pulling, right? For a tractor beam. Uh, the As it gets closer the force that the charged object will feel is going to exponentially grow because of how this works, right? So as it, as it gets closer and, and closer, you're going to need to change your electric field pretty significantly. So you, you kind of need to, you need to do this correctly. If you're, if you're generating an electric field with just another charge, it's going to be really tricky. If you're generating it so that you have sort of a static electric field, that's better, but those are really hard to make. Right. And you said especially hard on Earth, on land. Specifically because you need to overcome the force of gravity and you need to be able to lift something off the ground. So now they say that the moon's gravity is so much greater here. Would that help or would that hurt a tractor beam? In this particular instance, they are inside the moon, so the gravity shouldn't be, like, be any different. The, the gravity should be almost zero inside the moon. Like at Earth's core, there is no gravity because all of the mass that is generating gravity is everywhere else around you. Oh, I assumed it was just super heavy. No. as so So as you get closer to the core, actually, you will experience less and less gravity. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, but as you get further and further away, right, if you're standing on the surface of earth, every other piece of the earth is below you. Right. And so all of those pieces are pulling on you collectively to make the gravitational pull of earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, that's how that works. Neat. But yeah, the tractor beams are a fun sci-fi concept. They are not a particularly realistic, um... Not a particularly realistic thing to use in, like, large-scale real life. Impractical at best. Um, they have their purposes when you do some kinds of, like, quantum experiments or some Mm. kinds of experiments that are, like, really small. Uh, For example, we discovered um, what the charge of an electron is by uh, using kind of... A, a tractor beam. Awesome. Yeah. Like it was, it was 
it was an experiment called Milliken's Oil Drop. If anyone's interested, you can go look that up. Can you spell Milliken? M-I-L-L-I-K-A-N. Excellent. I think. If you Google that, it'll come up, I promise. I'm sure there's only so many Millikens in the world. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that that's that's how we that's how we do it. Neat. Some sometimes they have particular uses, but it's only when things are really small. Right. When things are really large and you need to overcome gravity, uh, things don't work that well. So anymore. a tractor beam pulling the pod, granted through zero gravity, pulling the pod in would not be feasible. It's actually not zero gravity inside. The, inside this particular moon we're, they do talk about there. they do talk about the fact that they have gravity in there but which is their fucked. ship outside of these bay doors yep is floating yes which i don't understand because the gravity is only inside come on artificial gravity keep up neil i'm trying and i'm having <laughs> i'm struggling it's a lot going on so they're inside the bay doors and they pass out um, and then they wake up and they're like, oh, there's o- breathable oxygen because the door to the pod is open. Yep. Um, what oh, what was it that um, Tony Shalhoub did in Galaxy Quest? <laughs> Seems fine. Seems fine to me. <laughs> um, they basically do that. And they're like, oh, there's Earth gravity here, too. Or Earth size gravity. Yeah. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. But it's not moon gravity. We've yeah. seen pictures of Neil Armstrong on the moon bouncing around. It's not that. Yeah, it has... Uh... It has a, a gravitational pull of like one sixth of that of Earth. Which we know the science on that. Why didn't they just keep that in there? Why did they say it has to have Earth gravity? Because they wanted to, they wanted to make like earthquakes from the gravitational pull of the moon. That's so dumb. Anyway, so they are in a hangar of some sort. There is advanced technology um, of... Planes? What's the word I'm looking for? Ships. There's ships yeah. upon ships in this hangar, and they and they're like, well, this is definitely alien technology. This yep. is crazy looking, and but Brian's not there. Brian is um alone. They for some reason somehow they get him out on his own, and I don't know how. They don't explain it, and I don't think it matters. I think he leaves, but I he wakes he... up. He passes out. He's reaching for the oxygen and then he passes out and then he wakes up in in this room where there's white light and he looks into the white light and he's all of a sudden in you know that big white room that the matrix has where um neo the architect the architect exactly um it's he's in this room and there's his son 10 year old son which his son we meet on Earth, he's 20, so this is, you know... He's 18. He's 18, that's right. Mm-hmm. So he, he's an eight-year-old son, and it's actually a construct of his mind that he is told. Uh, this is an AI of the moon, and it, the AI tells him that uh, humans are apparently aliens from billions of light years away that uh, went out and made colonies in the world, and they had, their lives were basically controlled by this AI for good, in a good way. This AI made their lives easy, it was a utopia, everything was great. But the AI became self-aware, and they started destroying all the proto-humans? Is that the word I'm looking for? All the, not us humans, but like these humans? Yeah, I'm gonna say proto-humans. Sure. People can at me if they want, but I'm not gonna respond if I'm wrong. So... Um, the AI destroyed all of the humans before the humans could destroy it. It is unclear if there was any 
thought in the minds of these humans to destroy this AI, or if it's just paranoid. But that's what happens. And the AI that was helping them is this smoke monster that we've seen. So what ended up happening is that they built the moon as an armored vessel to go out into the world and um, find another planet that can support life. The moon, it appeared in, in this flashback, it looked like the moon kind of swirled together matter, matter to create the Earth and then terraformed it. Is that what you got out of that? I got out of it that, like, the somehow that the Earth, like, this, this, this thing was responsible for, like, making our solar system. Did you get the whole solar system or did you just get a planet? I feel like we just got shown a single planet. But it probably did the whole thing. But I would bet that it did the whole thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it just like found our solar system was like, oh, vacant spot for a planet in the Goldilocks zone. Guess I'll just spin one up here. Don't mind me. How did that fucking work? I don't know. But then what would be the point of creating the other planets? They're inhospitable. Yeah, I think I think it well, actually, well, specifically, Jupiter is a very valuable planet. Really? Yeah. It uh, it actually is responsible for protecting us from a lot of the asteroids that float around. In, oh, because it's the... so big, it just eats those hits. Well, it it both eats those hits and the two parts of the asteroid belt that are between um, Mars, the like the the Mars and the Jupiter orbit are like locked in uh Lagrangian spots with uh with um with Jupiter in the middle. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really fascinating, actually. Neat. All right. Oh, all right. So maybe they created them as protection. Eh, maybe. I mean, or maybe they were just like, uh, convenient. Yes, this works. Let's put a planet here. But they are saying that the moon was here before the Earth. Yes. Great. Um, and the moon, again, it's, it's like an arc. So it's got all this biological material to be able to create life on this planet. They say that those proto-humans basically sacrifice themselves. Yep. They are all gone. Due to this AI, and they, our moon is the only one of several vessels that were being created to go out and to um, create life elsewhere. Right? Yep. Okay. It's all kind of a fever dream at this point, so it's hard to keep I mean, it straight. The the end of the movie is a fever dream, yes. so you're doing fine. So, according to this movie, we are aliens. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay, so they get back on the ship. Oh, they, Joe and Casey find Brian. He explains all this to them in three sentences or less. I probably should have just written down what he said and then it would have made more sense. Yep. Because it felt like it made sense, but maybe that's just the movie tricking me. It tricked you. Great. So they get back to their ship, which, by the way, totally fixed. The moon operating system has fixed their ship like nothing was wrong and they upgraded the fucking emp what i think they i think they did other upgrades too because really? yeah because the maneuverability of their pod it like goes way up it should like, not be able to do what it does no it, it is about to do some wild things i think this is also how they explain that the, the like how they can get around the pod being what returns to earth this instead of the shuttle fair. Oh like, my god, I have a whole rant prepared, but that actually makes so much more sense. Yeah, they're just, it's it's a really cop-out way of being like, 
hey, humans aren't technologically advanced to deal with this, so here's some advanced technology for you. Yeah. Ding! So what they decide to do is that they are going to lure the swarm, is what they call it, the, the smoke monster, away from the not white dwarf, but a white dwarf star, which is the energy for the the moon, like we already mentioned, what the swarm has been doing is it like surrounds it and is leeching the energy off of it. And that's one of the reasons potentially why the moon has drifted into earth's space. Yep. So they're going to get the swarm away. They're going to, um, dislodge the Rover from the pod and launch the EMP when the, the smoke monster has surrounded it. That's the plan. First, they need to get it out of the moon. So they open the pod bay doors and they, uh, I guess there's a chase scene. That's what it is, right? It's really a chase scene. It's kind of fun, but it's also kind of dumb. It's really so dumb. What they end up doing, and the CG is not as, it's not bad. It's not as bad as, as the flooding on Earth. Yeah. But like, so the... There is also a defense system in the moon. Just giant guns in I don't, the moon. I don't think it's giant guns in the moon. I think the the AI for like in the moon has booted up all of the like extra the defense ships. ships and it is commandeering their guns to shoot the Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, to shoot the thing. But so when it shoots the thing, which we've mentioned is, you know, millions of tiny particles that are swarming together in a puff of smoke, when they are shot the fire, fiery blast does not go through it and hit anything on the other side. It just ends when it hits the smoke. And that frustrated me. Why? Because they're, it should have blown through them. No, if it's dense enough, like, and you got a bunch of, like, black nano material, like, material, it'll, like, it, it probably actually isn't going to do a ton of damage because what's going to happen is it's going to go in there all of these little bits are going to, like, absorb what's there. And then, like, you're just going to need a bunch of these lasers to, to do this. Were and I don't lasers? think they had enough. It certainly seemed like it. It, it either looked like lasers or, like, when you see um, video of a war zone at night. Oh, tracer rounds? Yeah. Sure. It kind of looked like that. I don't know. I, I assumed it wasn't a laser. Otherwise, you would have made more faces at it. Uh, yeah, I also just kind of take for granted, like, lasers nowadays. Oh, I think it was lasers, but what I do I know? It. Who the fuck knows? I'm not gonna ask him. It was movie magic. Sure the fuck was. So, they're on this chase, they're getting out of the moon, and, um, Brian says that he's going to get in the pod, he's gonna sacrifice himself, basically. And he and Joe are arguing about who's gonna do it, and Casey quietly slips away into the rover, closes the doors, and he's going to, you know, launch himself and, and, and detonate the EMP. And he and Brian have a beautiful, kind of, again, bromance conversation through two panes of glass and an untold amount of space in between those two Yeah, beans. and potentially an airlock, which yes. is, at this point, maybe a vacuum. Right. And and we have never seen them have an earpiece, so we don't... I don't think that there's any way that they're communicating that way. So they're just talking through glass. Yep. So, I say this with heavy sarcasm. I don't think they would be able to hear each other. Um, anyway, uh, Casey makes the revelation that he is not a doctor. I fucking called it. I you did. called it hours 
before. Yeah. Also, I I don't think we ever mentioned it, but Casey does introduce himself as Dr. Casey Houseman. Yes, he does. Yes. Also, it's Casey, the letter K and the letter C. Not C-A-S-E-Y. Yeah. It's K-C. I hope his name is Casey Christian Houseman. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so... The smoke monster comes up, surrounds the rover as Joe and Brian are making their getaway. He ignites the EMP, saves the day. It ignites, it, it must, like you said, it is a bomb. I have to remind myself that it is a bomb, so it makes sense that it does blow up. No, you're shaking your head. No, look, oh, they- Oh, goddammit, I thought I had this, Neil. No, look, I'm sorry. I know that you asked, is it a bomb? And the answer is technically yes, that there is a part of an EMP that does usually explode. Okay. Or at least- Maybe for an improvised one. In this particular case, this explosion is huge and fiery and blue. It is blue. That's this true. is not how this I explosion assume, works. I assume that was the upgrade from the moon. Cause I, yeah, it was, but like it shouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's not how upgrades work. That's also not how EMPs work. Also, the magnetic field that this EMP is creating is going to be big enough and it travels at the speed of fucking light, so it's going to literally catch up to the pod as it is racing out of the tunnel and annihilate all the electronics in the pod. Yeah. So the fact that the pod did not get destroyed in this event, just wrong. Would it have fucked up? Because, again, we're not outside of the tunnel yet. We are not outside of the moon. Would it have fucked up the megastructure? Probably not the structure itself, but it certainly would have had maybe a small effect on some of the internal components, but they probably got far enough away from some of the internal stuff that they didn't have to deal with it. Mm, 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 mm. So moral of the story is he saves the day, sacrifices himself. He's a fucking hero. Then they land their pod, which again, the only reason we're going to say that they made it through the atmosphere is from the moon's upgrades. Cause there's no way that thing could have made it otherwise. It's just... Nope. It's yep. too flimsy. Yep, you're right. So they land on a mountaintop with no winter protection. Their ears would freeze the fuck off. Just gonna put that out there. Yep. They crawl up to the top of the Chrysler building, which has been launched over here. Yep. At some point. Was it a tornado? Was it a flood? It's no, unclear. It was, uh, it was the moon got too close. And the gravity lifted and a, it up. A, I think a, a large piece of, like moon rock mm -hmm. came in and like hit the bottom and the top like went flying and then it it like got lifted also side note roland emmerich destroys specifically the chrysler building in almost every single one of his i movies. wonder if he like got kicked out of the chrysler building when he was a kid or something like that for like being rowdy and oh then he was God. like fuck you i'm gonna destroy it in every movie i truly that's that's what happened as far as i'm concerned <laughs> that's what happened um anyway so they call for help um, and they like, don't even call for help. They well, just look up at the ship and they see a blinking red light on the ship. And they're like, you think that's a distress beacon? And like, Joe sure says like, so. I, oh, I sure hope so. Oh my God. And then a <laughs> helicopter appears. Yep. And then very soon after their kids come around the corner. I like, think they ended up landing like in Aspen. What are the fucking odds? Neil? Not good. God. So the final, fi we're almost there, folks. Bear with me. We are almost there. The final shot of this movie is within, in that white light room, 
that Brian was shown all the things and he saw the construct of his memory of his son, we see Casey appears and he's glitching out like he's an AI. And we see his mother, who have we not we have not mentioned yet, um, but he has a mother who has Alzheimer's and he visits her a few times. So she comes up and she says, motherfucker, she says, we scanned your consciousness. You're part of the moon now. Credits. <laughs> like, it's not credits. Because they leave the fucking carrot dangling there like they could have sequels. Again, Roland Emmerich wanted to do two back-to-back -back sequels. Sorry, I'm getting really worked up about this. You should. Two back-to-back -back sequels. I really wish that he would, but I don't know where he'll get the money. Again, this movie cratered at yeah, the box nice, office. Nice, nice. It's just, okay, that was a lot. <laughs> that was, that was a lot. I'm not going to go into the family plot line, except to say there is one, A. Yep. There is a plot line following the kids. There is mention of oxygen being, I don't know, removed? Depletion, Deple yeah. Oxygen depletion. They do, in fact, steal uh, uh, oxygen tanks from a local firehouse. Yep. They use them to hike into a mountain, into a tunnel in a mountain for safety. Because again, there are boulders is not a big enough word. There are mountains crashing into mountains. Yes. And side note, no one blinks a fucking eye when these happens. Mountains are crumbled and they're like, Ah, let's go inside this wood hut. I'm sure it'll be fine, but that's neither here nor there. Also, the uh, the impacts from these um, uh, meteors when they when they hit the ground uh, would cause a serious shock wave that would probably like pop people's eardrums and destroy windows. The most right. recent event of this was in like uh, it was in in northern Russia, northeastern Russia. They had a um, a, uh, a meteor that like landed up there and it um, destroyed windows for like miles. Oh my God. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. One thing that um, we haven't mentioned yet is that at some point the moon does breach our atmosphere. And my does it? It does. It crushed a mountain, Neil. Did it? The moon scraped off a mountain like a pimple. I fucking missed that. Yes. So here's my question to you, oh, Mr. God. Science. Yeah. What would that do to the humans and the life forms on oh, the planet? The God. ones who are not completely submerged. Like, the atmospheric pressure difference there? Yeah. Also, like, the moon, as it comes in contact with the atmosphere, is just going to immediately start, like, burning up. And, like, there's going to be a lot of friction. And the atmosphere is going to heat up a lot. And then as it, like starts to push further into the atmosphere, it's going to displace a lot of atmosphere, leaving, like, this, like, wake of, like, no atmosphere behind it that's constantly getting, like, refilled back in. It's going to cause, like, wild global weather effects. It's going to fuck up everything. The pressure on Earth, like, at Earth's surface is going to go up drastically, especially if it gets really close, like, to the point where it's fucking scraping a mountain. Yeah. Uh, people's, like, ear eardrums are going to pop. People might just, like... Would their heads explode? Uh, not from too much pressure. Okay. Like, y you would probably have some, like... Um, actually, when the moon left, you might actually experience the bends. 
Ooh, yeah. Because um, it does appear to leave very fast. The yeah. next shot we see, it's back where it it's fucking belongs. It's back where it belonged, yeah. Oh my god, it's so, it's so much. It's really dumb. So, but I did want to point out that they did have the oxygen depletion, like you mentioned. Yes, they did. They did need oxygen tanks. Yep, so they went and got them. So that science is fairly solid. Yeah, I, I believe that that was solid science. Yeah, yep. Man. That movie, again, it doesn't sound like I enjoyed it. I really had fun watching this movie. I had fun watching it, too. It is a bad movie. It's terrible. But a fun movie. Yeah. I think. We're going to have to talk to your friend and see what exactly it was that he was not a fan of. Because he likes bad movies. Yeah, I think he just, he didn't like this movie because it took itself too seriously. This is true. And I think that's why he didn't like it. Mm -hmm. It's Mm because it was like a really high budget film that turned out really awfully. The acting wasn't particularly good. And not because like the actors were bad, just because the script was garbage. Oh my God. So I think, I think that's most of the reason that he hated this film. And I, I agree that made this film really bad. Yes. I still had fun watching it. Yeah. Yep. I had pretty much just as much fun as I have every other Roland Emmerich film. Sure. So. All right. Should we rate this motherfucker? I think it's time. <laughs> Neil, on a scale of what? One moon to five moons. Oh, no. Number of <laughs> moons being, you know. Yeah. Stars. Stars. Sure. Ba- bad to good. Yep. What is the science rating? For Moonfall. What is the science rating for Moonfall? Okay, so starts off kind of strong, good space scene. Immediately fucking loses at least one star because they bring in fucking smoke nano monster. This is true. This is bad, all right? Um, and then, like, they get some of the moon stuff right. They get some of it right. Like, parts of the moon do start to break off as it, like, gets closer to Earth. It does fuck with the tides. It does fuck with the atmosphere. Like, that's all good. Uh, They don't portray those things happening quite as accurately as I would have hoped. But they do do seriously consider them. Um, The tides are wrong. Like, that's just too much. Uh, the atmospheric depletion is probably a little aggressive for how close the moon is at the time. Um, it's, and and then of course, you know, the moon is a mega structure. Like this is just fantasy at this point without an engine. They fuck up the white dwarf. Uh, it should be a neutron star, but also not a neutron star because the, the moon shouldn't have the gravitational pull of the sun. If we used a shrink ray on the sun to get to that size, would that help? No, because then it would just be a neutron star. Oh, okay. I thought it, I had like, It would answer. still be the same amount of mass, just denser. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. It's, um, I think t- in total, like a one... Yeah, that's guess where I thought it was gonna be. Maybe a one and a half. What did we give? Uh, what did we give Event Horizon? Event Horizon was a three and a half. Out of five? Yeah, yeah. I also was surprised. I can't believe that that's true. We should re revisit that. <laughs> I think that they should get at most a two. Okay, so retroactively, Event Horizon now gets a two. Two black holes. Sure. 
two needles through your eyes. Yep. <laughs> um, and and Moonfall gets. Oh, and there's like there's a bunch of stuff that we just didn't have time to cover that they fucked up pretty badly too. Being able to jump large uh, spaces yeah. on Earth because yeah. the moon's above you. Yeah, they they. Folks, you should really go watch this movie. It's a hell of a ride. Please do, and let us know what you think. Yeah, one, one, one to maybe one and a half stars. I'll give it one and a quarter moons Love for it. science. For science. For science. For film, one to five moons. One being I hated it, and five being perfect movie. I got three point seven. Okay, well that's better than I thought actually. It was. I enjoyed. Look, I enjoyed watching this movie. I had fun. Like the acting isn't great. The scripts are pretty poor. But like it's a it's a fun it's a fun concept just executed poorly. Right. Right. Um let me think. I'm actually opening Letterbox right now because I did rate this and I want to get it right cuz I don't think I've ever said my rating and put it into my Letterbox in the same way. So, I would say, yeah. I actually Gave this, from a film perspective, I gave this four stars because I did enjoy myself okay. and the letterbox liked. Okay. It is not a perfect film. Not I, even close to a perfect film. It is not even film. close to a perfect film. It is a very bad film, but I liked it. Okay. I really liked it. All right. So that's where I'm at with this. Oh my gosh. That, I cannot believe we finally made it through that movie. I really thought that it was going to... I thought we were going to not be able to handle it. I thought it was going to be too bad. <laughs> too bad? But we did. We're here. We we're made on the it. other side. We're on the other we side. We saved the planet. We saved the moon. Hey, Neil. nice. Proud of us. Yeah. So, Neil, when people are not listening to your dulcet tones here, mm -hmm. where else can they find you? Uh, folks, if you're not listening to me here, you can find me on a podcast called Bad Rolls Out, which is a... Uh, D&D 5e live action podcast that I do with some of my friends where I play a bard loosely inspired by uh, a character from uh, the, the Road to El Dorado. Uh, Tulio or Miguel? Miguel. Yes! And uh, other than that, you can find me on Instagram at that underscore Higgs underscore guy. H-I-G-G-S. That's correct. Um, yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am at that girly gal, all one word. You can find us together, Twitter and Instagram at sci-fi problem pod, S-C-I-F-I problem P-O-D, all one word. And that's Twitter and Instagram. You can email us, like we said before, yep. at here's the problem pod at gmail.com. And... Gosh, I think that's about it. Please, though, do rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening to us now. Give us a thumbs up. Give us, if you can write just one line of what movie you want us to do next in the review section, that helps us so much. We don't need it for our ego. A five-star review really helps us get noticed. We get recommended to anyone at all other than just our parents. So anything <laughs> you can do to help us along that would be wonderful. Tell your friends, tell your family, rate, review, subscribe. And I think that's it. Neil, is there anything you want to say to the folks at home? Mm. Enjoy your science, folks. Bye.